Let's turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is where those words are found. And let's actually start our reading in verse 22 so that we can get the entire context. And we'll read down through verse 31. And it was at Jerusalem, John chapter 10, verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And so as we look at this passage, we often come here when someone says, well, I'm, I'm just not sure that I'm saved or that uh, I believe I've lost my salvation. And, and a lot of times we'll come to this passage and use this because Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And, and these are very comforting verses. But I want us to, to get the entire context this morning, if we would, just to kind of walk through this passage from beginning to end. In verse 22, it tells us that Jesus was at Jerusalem. He was in the temple. It was the Feast of Dedication. This would have been what we know today as Hanukkah, uh, the celebration of lights, the dedication of the temple, uh, that, uh, those events that had brought that into Jewish life as a feast had happened um, uh, about uh, 100 or 150 years or so in that time period before Jesus was born. Uh, but it was a, a very real and regular practice of the Jewish people at this time. And as Jesus was in the temple, I love the way John puts things here. And of course, we understand his wording is directed by the Holy Spirit of God. It said the Jews came round about him. Now, I want you just to think a minute. This was the Jewish temple in Jerusalem Everybody that was there was Jewish, all right? Uh, so when you see that capital J-E-W-S in the Bible, that's not just talking about Jewish people. In fact, if we go to the book of Acts, the accusation that was made against Paul was that he had brought a Gentile into the temple and the entire city went into riot. And uh, they, uh, in fact, have covered, uncovered the threshold stone that was in the temple in the days of the Apostle Paul and the days that Jesus was there that read, 
If you are not Jewish, don't step over this stone. The sentence is death. Uh, you were not allowed in the temple area if you were not Jewish. In the temple itself. And this was Solomon's porch. The only people that were there were Jewish men. And yet the Bible tells us that the Jews came, then came the Jews round about him, and they simply asked him a question. They said, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. They said, We're, we're still not sure who you are. We, we think that you're making claims to be the Messiah. Absolutely amazing, as I was looking over this passage, I read in a commentary. And in the next verse, Jesus said, I told you. And the, and the man writing the commentary said, well, if you're looking for a quotable quote, there's no place in, in the New Testament where Jesus actually said he was the Christ. Uh, I immediately closed the commentary. Uh, what? Anybody that is, I, I don't know how to put it, you uh, will fall back on the standard. Uh, you have to go to school and be trained to be that stupid. Amen? Uh, it, that kind of ignorance does not come naturally. It comes purposefully. Uh, somebody's got to help you to be that blind to what's in the Word of God. Yet, it's, it's there. It's here in this passage. It's here... Uh, today, in our, in our society in which we live, they wanted to know who Jesus is. And yet, we'll skip ahead to the conclusion of the sermon when he told them who he was. They picked up stones to stone him. You see, the main theme of this passage is not so much our eternal security as it is who Jesus is and what he is to us. Sometimes we look at our Savior and we get so comfortable with our salvation that somehow we think it depends on us or that Jesus has saved us because he likes us. And and, and that's uh, it, the Bible says, for God so loved whom? The world. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you, any more than he loves any person who has ever lived. God is not a respecter of persons. Amen. And so as they gather around, these were the Jewish leaders, the, 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 the scribes, the Pharisees, the uh, the um, the lawyers, the the uh, priests that ruled the temple area, and they just they're saying, "Tell us who you are." If you, what they were really saying was, "If you think you're the Christ, confess so that we can put you to death." That's that was their main thought in all of this. And Jesus' answer was, I told you, and ye believe not. Now, 
I'm only going to go through two chapters this morning because it would take us the entire time that we've allotted to preaching to go through every passage in the book of John where Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. Uh, We just couldn't even cover that all in one message. And so I'm just going to look up a few verses. Let's go to John chapter 8 in verse 24. Jesus is speaking to the same group. In verse 23, I mean, uh, in verse 24, he says, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. How could that be interpreted any other way than Jesus claiming to be the God of the Old Testament? He said, if you don't believe in me, you have no forgiveness of sins. How come people can't see that? How come people question that? Let's go down to verse 54. I love this. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Now, I mean, you talk about an indictment here. Jesus said, listen, if I honor myself, it's nothing. But my Father honors me, and my Father is whom you falsely claim to worship. That's what Jesus was saying here. He he was saying, of whom ye say that he is your God, because he's not your God. He had just gotten done telling them, you're of your father, the devil. His works you do, that's why you're trying to murder me. And he said, my father is the one that you claim to worship as God. And if there was any doubt left, go down just a few more verses to verse 58. Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, I don't claim to be a Hebrew scholar of any, any sort whatsoever, but the word Jehovah, the name of God, means I am. And Jesus was saying, before Abraham was, Jehovah, I am. They picked up stones to stone him. We go into the next chapter and we see Jesus in the city of Jerusalem healing the blind man who was born blind. And he was brought before the scribes and the Pharisees and they examined him. And we come down to the end of this chapter here in verse 35. We'll start reading. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Jews that were there in chapter 10 were here in chapter 9. And they threw this blind man out of the synagogue. They, they refused him entrance ever again to the Jewish uh, way of worship. And in verse 35, Jesus heard they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he 
worshipped him. The man that was blind worshipped Jesus. Look at the next verse. The Pharisees were there watching this thing happen. How in the world did they miss this? Well, Jesus is going to explain that in a few minutes. But I want you to understand something. Jesus clearly, plainly, repeatedly told the nation of Israel who he is. And all God's people said. There was no doubt as to whom Jesus claimed to be. There was no question. In fact, when Jesus was put on trial uh, the night before he was crucified, when all of the conflicting uh, testimony of the perjured and hired witnesses, finally the high priest himself looks at him and says, we know you think you're the Christ. If you are, tell us you are. And he said, thou hast said. And that was the evidence that they condemned him on. You see, there was no question in their minds who Jesus claimed to be. And yet they asked the question over and over and over again. Jesus said, I told you, and ye, sorry, and ye believe not. You see, there are choices that we make each and every day. And, and I want to challenge you, choices have consequences, do they not? Decisions that we make in our daily walk, we always say, it's going to come back and get you, right? Uh, you give a man enough rope and he'll hang himself. Meaning that his things that he has done is going to entangle him and destroy him. We, we talk about skeletons in closets. And uh, oh, we have all these phrases, but the simple truth of the matter is we know this. We understand that as we make decisions, they determine our lives. You see, these people had already decided that Jesus could not be their Messiah. They would not accept him. And because they were in charge of the temple, because they were of the family of the priest that was in charge of the worship of God, uh, because they held the scriptures in their hands and had preserved them from generation to generation, their judgment was final in their own opinion. Jesus said, I told you, you believe not. Then he said, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. 
He had just given a blind man sight that was born blind. Read John chapter 9. It says, as he was being examined, he said, this has never been accomplished in all of history. Only God could do this. And they said, you ignorant blind man, are you going to teach us? And they threw him out. They said, you're no longer a Jew because you believe in that man over there. Does that sound familiar? That's history. Jesus in the next chapter was going to raise Lazarus from the dead who had been dead for four days. And it said many of the Jews went away and believed on him because of that act. This was not done in private. This was not a small little meeting of Jesus and ten or twelve men. Later on, in Solomon's porch in in the uh, book of Acts, 5,000 men are going to hear the preaching of Peter and John and be saved. That wasn't everybody that was in Solomon's porch. That was just the ones that were saved. This was a huge place. This was a group of possibly hundreds of Pharisees, scribes, priests, all of the religious leaders of the Jewish people. And they were gathered around Jesus and asking Him this question. And He's saying, the works that I've done in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You know, I wonder if some of them were thinking about the blind man in John chapter 9. They had watched him fall down on the ground and worship Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. I wonder if some of them are thinking about Jairus' daughter. About the son of the widow woman in the city of Nain up in Galilee. I wonder if anybody there had been on that mountainside when Jesus fed the 5,000. It says, John says that if we recorded every miracle that Jesus did, we would fill the entire world with the books that should be written. But look what he adds to that. He said, verse 26, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. He said, You don't believe me. You don't believe in me because you've already chosen not to believe in me. You've already made your choice. And this is the great life choice. You must either choose to believe who Jesus is or reject Him. Someone might say, well, I'm, I'm not ready to make that decision yet. I, I'm undecided. No. To be undecided is to once again say, no, I don't believe who Jesus is. 
But to truly believe who Jesus is is going to demand some things out of you that are most extraordinary. It is going to change everything about you. The Bible says if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, He becomes your shepherd. How many of you love Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Wait a minute. Most of us could fill out a want list longer than your arm. Isn't that true? I mean, and and, uh, please don't raise your hands in answer to this question, but how many here this morning in, in our auditorium that have come to worship Jesus' name would say uh, in their hearts that God has not given me something this week that I desperately need? And yet people would say that. Maybe not out loud. You see, Jesus said, you have refused to believe on me because you're not of my sheep. You see, this is where faith comes in. This is what makes the difference between an academic understanding and saving faith. Between a religious experience and saving faith. The Bible talks about those that believe, but not to the saving of the soul. That's what this passage is touching on. See, the first point this morning is talking about Christ, His identity. Who is He? Is He the Son of God and God the Son? Is He? The good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. Is he your personal shepherd? We might put it this way. Are you his sheep? And that's where he goes next. He says, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Here's what my sheep do. My sheep hear my voice. You know what? How do we hear Jesus' voice? Well, I'll tell you what. You turn on TVN and you would think there's more ways to hear Jesus' voice than there are frequencies on the bandwidth of the AM, FM, shortwave, and all combined. Uh, that Jesus... Uh, will speak to you about the color car you ought to buy, and he'll give you a brand new fur coat if only you ask him the right way. Uh, no, 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 no. If you want to hear Jesus' voice, you've got to read what's written down. You're not going to hear it any other way. These are the only words that God has given us. Luke chapter 16. Oh, listen. They'll listen to Lazarus if you send them back from the dead. They'll listen to him. What did, G- what did Moses say? 
said, they have Moses and the prophets. Oh, no, no, they're not going to listen. Well, they won't listen to Moses. They're not going to listen to Lazarus, even though he was raised from the dead. You see, my sheep hear my voice. How many of you remember the first time the Bible made sense to you? Uh, Guess what? You heard his voice. I love this next phrase. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. It's an amazing statement, is it not? I mean, we could call out some very uh, important names. Uh, How many people here know who Vladimir Putin is? Uh, Is there anyone here that doesn't know who he is? Okay, well, let's turn it around the other way. How many here does Vladimir Putin know? Hello? Why don't we have any hands going up? You know why? Because he doesn't know us. We all know who he is. If he were to walk through those back doors, we would, what are you doing here? We know one thing's for sure. It wouldn't be to learn about God or to hear this sermon. That'd be a pretty scary thing. But, you know, I have a very little expectation. He's kind of busy in other parts of the world right now. I have no expectation he's going to show up here. Because he doesn't know us. See, that's the way a lot of people are with Jesus. But he says, my sheep hear my voice. And he says, and I know them. Are there any words that I could give you that are more comforting than that? The fact that Jesus knows who you are. I think of that assurance song that's running through my head as I'm preaching this morning. He knows my name. And uh, I, I love that thought, the fact that he knows who I am. I love what my preacher, Roy Thompson, says. He says he knows everything about me. And he still loves me. That's amazing, is it not? But this is what Jesus is saying here. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Now comes the tough one. What's it say? How many of you can quote it with me? And they... What's that next word? What is it? Follow. Follow. How many people would lift up their hands and say, I followed Jesus every day this past week? Well, that'd be a bold statement, would it not? How many of us tried 
to follow Jesus this past week? I, I can raise my hand on that one. You see the difference? You see, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I know their names. I know the number of hairs on their head. I know the day they were born, the day they were going to die. I know every act that they will ever commit in their entire life. I know them. And they follow me. They walk in the direction that I'm walking in. That's what it means to follow. Amen? And then he says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You see, it's his identity. It's his sheep. Amen? If Jesus were speaking, he would say, it's my identity. These are my sheep. And this is how they behave. They hear my voice. I know them. There is a relationship there. They hear my voice. They're listening for me. I know who they are. We are working together to get this done. And I have given them a gift. That gift is eternal life. Now that word eternal is a hard word to reckon with today. How many of you have ever taken a true and false test? Here's... Just a little hint to help you. In a true and false question, if the word never is used, it's, almost, it's always false. Almost never. When you use the word never, is it true? At least when you're taking a test. Because we live in a society that doesn't believe in absolutes anymore. So there's nothing... That's never. And never really means never. And if you ever want to figure that out, hire a lawyer and he'll help you. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter how many lines of print are on the page. You can get it changed. As long as you got enough money. But you know, when Jesus uses the word never, he, he means it. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. True. The governor has promised to never raise taxes. Lie. False. Just had to throw that in. You see... Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. He said, I am showing you who I am and the power 
that I have. And then he goes on to say, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now, I'd like to use an illustration that I have been using since I was just a teenager. Today, I'll use my wedding band. It's a ring. And uh, a ring is a symbol of many things, but you see, this ring had a beginning, we know, because somebody made it. But after... 25 plus years of wearing it and scratching it and bending it and all the things that happen uh, to rings as you do construction and different things around the church, uh, I dare you to find where the ring began and where it ends. You see, they welded that joint together and polished it. it it's not seeable. And it's a picture of human life. You see, we had a beginning we all know we have a birthday, but God has given us an eternal soul that is going to live once our body is laid in the grave or going to continue to die. You see, you can live an eternal life or you can live an eternal death, but they're both eternal. And Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I used to do a lot of work in children's church, and I'd take my ring, and I'd, not my wedding ring, but my class ring, and stick it in my hand, and I'd tell that little child, I said, Now, you see, Jesus says when we get saved, he puts us in his hand. Now, I wouldn't do this with any adults here, but I'd say, can you open my hand? And, of course, that little kid grab a hold. And I'd say, is Jesus a lot stronger than Brother Pete? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, but it doesn't only say that we're in his hand. It says we're in the Father's hand. Now, I can't picture the next part. Because I'd have to merge both of my hands into one. Because you see, the Savior's hand is the Father's hand. Amen? That's what Jesus meant when he said, I and my Father are one. So you see, it's his identity. That's where it starts. You have to choose to believe. That Jesus is the Christ. You, you have to willingly choose to understand that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That Jesus was speaking the truth. Well, what about my religion? 
I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I don't know why. We apologize for everything today. I'm not sorry that you have to turn your back on a religion to embrace the Savior. I'm glad. I am glad that I can tell you today that you cannot find salvation by becoming a member of this church. In fact, our church bylaws are very, very clear. You have to have salvation before you can ask to become a member of our church. And if you don't have that issue settled, there's no use of becoming a member of our church. Because you have to be saved first. Amen? The church isn't here to give you salvation. It's here to help you hear His voice. It's here to help you follow Him. It's here to help you to rejoice in your position in the hand of the Father. Amen? Am I in the right church this morning? You see, it's His identity. It's His sheep. And it's His hand. It's His hand that put the Son into place. It's His hand that spread this universe out. And as far as we can measure, it's about 13.5 billion light years across. And we believe that by looking further and further into the universe, we can actually see back into time. Because it takes time for the light to travel. You know, I I just wonder, I let my mind, and I don't want to go too far on this one this morning, but I, I just kind of believe that God created this universe His way. And that one day we're going to wake up, when we get to heaven, we're going to realize that Everything we thought we believed about all of this stuff was just a very wrong imagination. Because it's not about how smart we are to figure things out. It's about Jesus. It's His identity. It's His sheep. It's His hand. And as soon as He said that, They took up stones and read the rest of the passage there later, but Jesus said, for which of the good works are you stoning me? He said, we're not stoning you for a good work. We're stoning you because you're a man and you make yourself God. And of course, Jesus toyed with their infantile minds. And it says at the end of that chapter that there were many that resorted unto him and believed on him. You see, that's how simple it is. We make salvation complicated. We make the Christian life 
a maze of trying to do so many things. Now, I, I talk about our daily Bible reading. And I believe that you ought to read your Bible every day. It's important. But just because you read your Bible every day doesn't make you spiritual. Do you know there are unsaved people who read their Bible every day? I would have to believe by reading in that commentary where he says there's no clear statement in the New Testament where Jesus claimed to be the Son of God that that man couldn't be saved by his own testimony. And here he is writing a commentary for dumb little ignorant preachers like me to help me understand the Bible. Excuse me. you want to understand your Bible, listen for His voice. Because He's talking to you. You're not satisfied with where you are in life. Start walking in His footsteps instead of yours. Because His sheep follow Him. Because that's what his voice says to do. And at that moment that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us eternal life. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you would be honest today and say, since I've been saved, I've messed some things up in my life. I've done some things wrong. Now, I don't mean you're going to jail or something like that, but I mean, we, we mess things up, do we not? We, we sin even after we're saved. Do you think that's why Jesus, after He said, and they follow Me and I give unto them eternal life, that He hooked those two things together because He knew that we would have problems following Him? Hello? And He wants us to understand something. We're in His hand. Well, what if I want to get out? You're never in there! Because once you're there, you you can't get out. It's not a possibility. Because he's keeping you there. That's why Paul said, If we believe not, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny his own. I sing one of those old hillbilly songs that talks about the man going to visit his wife in a nursing home and she doesn't know his name and she doesn't know anything. But you know what? Even if this old mind gets all deteriorated and can't remember anything, Jesus still remembers me. Amen? You see, He said they'll never perish. He said, No man is able to pluck them out of My hand. Now, 
some smart apple may say. Well, he doesn't say the devil can't do it. Uh, Excuse me. Is there a human being alive that could find the Father's hand to try to peel back one of the fingers? Hello? He's not talking about just human beings here because none of us could ever get there. He's talking about all of the beings in the universe. When the devil comes up and tries to sift you as wheat, all he finds is a closed fist and you inside. Because he can't get you. Because you're protected by his hand. Then why do we worry so much? Why do sometimes we rattle against the hand of the Father as if they were bars of a prison? Well, let's go back. Are we hearing his voice? Are we following Him? Are we living in the knowledge of the eternal life that He gives us? You know, if we are, then we don't have to worry about all this other stuff. You know, it's hard not to worry about what's going on in our world today, is it not? I mean, is there anyone here that could not think of a scenario or two that could be triggered in the next few days that could plunge this entire world into World War III and and a catastrophe beyond our wildest imaginations. I mean, it's right there. But guess what? If he is my shepherd and I am His sheep, and I'm in His hand. What really do I have to worry about? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You in prayer. Lord, How inadequate can an explanation of your greatness and goodness be? But that's where I feel we are this morning. And yet, Lord, I know the Holy Spirit can take your word and use it to touch hearts and lives. And we're asking for that right now at this moment. Lord, there are people in this auditorium who have yet to make that decision to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To understand that He is the Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, and the only Savior of mankind. Lord, I pray that today, in the next few moments of our invitation, that they'd be willing to let go of everything and just believe on Jesus. Lord, I know that the majority of people here have given a testimony that 
Christ is their shepherd, that they are his sheep. And that demands that we must be found in your hand. For Lord, life is a struggle. And there are difficulties. There are burdens and there are cares. There are wants. Lord, we ask that we would surrender once again to the voice of the shepherd. And that we would rededicate ourselves to walk in your footsteps. And Lord, we would live in that security that you've promised in your word. Lord, we, we need your work in our lives that we may be your sheep and follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stay.